0: Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Watches This Dark Materials Series 2, Episode 6, Malice. I am one of your hosts, Chloe.
1: And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. And this week, we only have both of us as each of your hosts. But in the coming few weeks, we are going to have a couple other other one of your hosts.
0: So excited. We're going to have for the finale episode, which will be coming to a streaming platform, near you much like the one you're currently listening on our friend cam candid 59 she is joining us she's truly a delight uh she would probably be sitting here smacking us going no no i'm not great my insights aren't great she's wrong she's wonderful she says very funny and very insightful things about his dark materials over on her twitter account at candid 59 or over on her tumblr .tumblr candid59.tumblr.com so Check her out, give her a follow before she comes on on the next episode on the finale of Series 2, which I'm so excited about.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to having Cam on and I think she's looking forward to giving all of you her sights as well. It Sounds like she's saving up some of them for everyone, which is, I mean, I don't know if I have that kind of self-control, you know, that's like Mrs. Coulter levels of self-control (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: it's true I,
0: I she usually we, we've joked but she usually spoils us on accident because we don't log off she's how I know that I have to log off on Sundays when his dark material starts but she said that she may not live tweet ah. she may not spoil us she might be busy watching and she said taking notes so we'll see we'll see but excited to have her on and she's not it for guests this month No, we will also be having some guests on on our Patreon special episode. Right, Eliana?
1: Yes, and this one's going to be very exciting. I think we've told you all about it before, but we are still excited to have the Dust podcast on to talk about the music of His Dark Materials. And we are not going to only limit it, I think, to season two. We're going to talk about a lot of things. I mean, they have a breadth of knowledge.
0: Yes, Matt and Holly, I'm so excited to have them on you know, they did share they are already looking into Lauren Balf's music for Series mm. 2. At the time of this recording, it's a little bit before uh, the soundtrack has come out, a little bit before the finale, but let me tell you that... We have the hookup, and we know some stuff, and it's good. So we'll talk about in-universe, but also out-of-universe, right? Some Uh Kate Bush, some (laughs) fan music, if you believe it, some Filk His Dark Materials music, yes, and even a fan playlist mixtape for you to listen to, a track listing, a Spotify playlist if you're on Spotify, uh, and... I think it'll be good. I think it'll be fun.
1: Maybe I should bring in... I remember when I was looking up Isahitra and the pronunciation of it, I came across a death metal
0: song. Yeah, the actually. metal band. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they are in the dock. Don't worry. They're in our notes oh already. Oh my
1: god. I'm so excited then. Uh, so glad. And here's another thing that's exciting. And I actually like was beating myself up for forgetting to bring this up last episode. Another thing in terms of artistic things in the His Dark Materials fandom is... Maya Shavzin, who's a wonderful artist, I really admire their recent figure drawings, shared with us an illustration they did of Lyra and Pan that is a take on Da Vinci's Woman with an Ermine," which uh, inspired Philip Pullman for creating the demons.
0: Yes, they have definitely made some beautiful artwork before that we've shared a couple times. I believe we usually put the links in our details of the episode, so check out this episode. It will have a link to the photo it's beautiful artwork she does an amazing job uh and not to toot our own horn but she did call us the best literary analysis podcast which i was like oh god i love you so much maya so we convinced her to read his dark materials apparently that's pretty good that's a pretty, you pretty big deal me, so it's your power it's yeah. your power
1: now chloe's convincing me to finish the secret commonwealth
0: we've come full circle. Uh, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I mean, the series is about coming full circle in some ways, so the spangled spangled circle. Um.
0: Oh my god, coming full circled on that, we should talk about our spoiler scope.
1: Yes. We're going to talk about
0: the main trilogy of His Dark Materials. We're going to hint at things from the companion trilogy, the Books of Dust. That's LaBelle Sauvage and the Secret Commonwealth. We won't do too heavy of spoilers with that. And we will do a decent amount here and there of hinting at things from the novella as we see fit, but they aren't too crazy, right? They aren't too heavy in the scope of things for the series, so.
1: And honestly, again, the show has spoiled you all more than we could on that. And yeah, yeah, everything's fair game from the three books. We're excited to talk about all of them today, but you know, there's one big important warning that we need to put (sighs) up top. Chloe
0: this is big this is it's big i need all of you to look it covers you know, it a covers search. a lot a lot it, Get it, it would if it existed where is my blanket where is my his dark materials blanket and Eliana got an entire set of popcorn <laughs> candies blanket but she ate popcorn while pan and lyra watched paddington with will i i have nothing i have nothing I am just the queen of ashes. I'm out here like, I'm gonna learn to control the specters, and it's over for Fuji app. I'm, I'm just so kidding, sorry. but I do want my blanket.
1: Yeah, you got your thing. I still think you should contact them. Uh, the The strange little platform that we don't know. The I Fuji? forgot its name. The third party platform that is organizing this. And yeah. Hello, please. I'm so desolate. I'm so sad. Where is my blanket?
0: <sighs> I'm telling you. Well you got any good tips on where my blanket is or sending me a carved demon, feel free to reach out at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com send us an email, chat with us or tweet us or DM us over on Twitter. Hit us up because I'm just saying, if you were to send me a His Dark Materials blanket it could be the beginning of a special friendship.
1: Yeah. And I'm not a good enough friend to Chloe to give up my <laughs>
0: You say that as if it's not our blanket, Mm -hmm. Eliana.
1: Yeah, that's true. It could happen one day. Speaking of (laughs) our moments, you know, what is your favorite part of the episode this week? Oh,
0: my favorite part. Okay. I wasn't sure for a minute, but I know. I know. It's only ever been this. (laughs) When the camera pans out at the nighttime change in Chitagatze and Marisa Coulter sits at a table... In the nighttime with four empty wine bottles working on her fifth while Charles Latrum is dead across from her. It was just so beautiful. It was the wine bottles specifically, like the empty wine bottles, the four empty wine But The time changes and she's gone from two wine bottles to four wine bottles. And it's just
1: Honestly, it's, it's impressive that she's yeah. drank that much on her own. Do you think the monkey drinks some of it?
0: Oh, I hope so. I don't know. Mo Did, well, Pan didn't drink. Well, there you go. It reminds me of the, the scholar wine, the possible tokai. <laughs> do they but, really uh, like
1: this? Yes, and so do I.
0: <laughs> Later they hurled. Oh, it's my favorite that they just like drink a bunch parts. of fancy wine and just hurl it for hours. The books, How yeah. could old people drink this? I love it. <laughs> okay, what about yours?
1: I think I'm predictable. It's easy to tell what my favorite scenes are going to be every week, because um, I'm a big fucking softie. It's Will and Lyra sitting on that ledge, overlooking you know, the rest of Chitagatse, which, honestly, I don't know how they didn't get a nosebleed sitting there, right? <laughs> freaking out. But they're sitting there, they're having a heart-to-heart. Again, unpredictable, but also Pan is right next to them, just not really interacting. He's just there, being fluffy, and I think his ears just twitch every now and then.
0: And he's fluffy
1: <laughs> sitting there, and that's it.
0: It's a really cinematic shot, and it's really grown on me the entire out, like, whole entire layout of Chitigazi and the island. How it's like this little Mediterranean island. Uh, we'll talk about it later with some of the Lord of the Flies kind of mm. things going on, but it does remind me of just an island, a little desolate island you can get shipwrecked between worlds and.
1: Yeah, and we talked about it a bit with the trailers and the whole, like, no man is an island and that responsibility people have with one another. And, I mean, I was always bought in. I was like, yes, <laughs> love it. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, that was the trailers where we discussed this, right? This is episode six, Malice. And
0: we start off the episode with Serafina and Ruta Scotti staring at the lighted flyers passing in the sky realizing angels are joining Asriel's cause. The last time angels were seen, it was to intervene for vengeance to make war. Ruta follows the angels, plotting to bring Asriel back and destroy the magisterium. Seraphina commands to the rest that they must find Lyra. So this episode and last episode, the scholar kind of throw a a wrench in our perfect book to show timeline, right? Because Some things in this episode are a little filler, but some are still pretty killer. It covers a little bit of this, a little bit of that from a handful of chapters, specifically chapter 10, The Shaman, at least as far as the backstory that Lee and Joffrey are discussing. Some of chapter 11, The Belvedere with the children attacking Seraphina, Will Lyra. None of 12 screen language that was covered last episode in The Scholar with that majestic ending, right? That... Mary's story where she walks into this new world. This is a new territory a little bit. Chapter 13, Isa Hader with Will and the Witches. The beginning of chapter 14, Alamo Gulch is covered in this. The second half is not. Please don't touch me. I don't want to talk about it. I'm very upset. I'm not ready for the finale. So... We're going to talk about what this means for the speculation of what's to come next week, right? Because obviously the end of Alamo Gulch and blood Moss, whatever clever little fun things they want to invent and throw at us and surprise us, because let's face it, we know they will. That is to come. A lot of people I know that have not read the books that are watching this online, they are going to be so mad because they're all out there right now, Eliana, and they're like, is Will ever going to meet his dad? Oh. There isn't going to be... I hope there's no cliffhanger. And I'm like, oh, it's worse than that. It's a bigger cliffhanger than just as Will meet his dad. It's like stab you in the stomach and then a cliffhanger. Uh, but they're building up to it. And it feels really obvious. I like the build up they're doing. They're, they're, you can see the due diligence, right? Like where the details are coming in. And this was a great scene. Serafina and Rudo really obviously respect each other as leaders of their respective tribes. They've expanded Ruta's role in a likable way. Jada Nuka is the biggest part of that, right? Like, she is warm. She's confident. She's inspiring. It's a great performance. I've been happy to watch it. And it's so great to see Ruta take the power dynamic, right? It's not like, I'm going to go find Azriel and join his cause because I think it's a good cause. It's, I'm going to go get Azriel, bring him back and hold him accountable for this goddamn hole in the world and the magisterium being awful. Uh, she's seeking to bring him to accountability, which I don't think a lot of people do with Asriel, and I like the way they've translated it.
1: I think that they've done a great job with Ruda. What you're talking about, expanding it, and making sure, as you said, that accountability and getting back at the Magisterium, which I think works really well with the rest of how this episode is structured, because we are going to come back to that Magisterium stuff. And I'm not sure if you're supposed to read uh, Ruda's desire for this to be as, like, this is still too small piece in the context of attack and dethrone God, but I, I, I'm I, going to just say it's not, unless you've read the books and know that's what it's leading to. Like, this makes sense, right? She's on the right side. Um, and I do think it's interesting that they actually have said here that the angels haven't revealed themselves until now, uh, which makes me think that they're saving some of the, the more in-depth parts of Lighted Flyers and where Ruta actually meets the angels, speaks with them, and you get a lot of that information about, like, their structure um, for next episode as you said mm-hmm. Jaden Nuka is just killing it and I think that I'm hoping that that means that they're going to give her a bigger role write more for her next season build out more for her I think that there's room for that to happen and um, yeah everything that they've done with Ruta Scotty in general this season is everything that I like pretty much hoped for that the show would correct in her portrayal, right? Like she, as you said, comes off really strong, confident, but she also comes off as sensitive and caring for her people. Like she's driven by, by a purpose, right. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And values and not Azriel's dick. And that's important <laughs> I, to me.
0: Yeah. I'm glad. And I do want to assess it as a whole and see the effect once we've kind of had a chance to reflect on the season I do find it interesting how Serafina's character has been balanced in kind of contrast to her. Yeah. And I'm excited to finally see, as we get into it in a bit here, how she's affecting meeting Lyra, you know, yeah. and how what it means for her to finally really spend time with Lyra, especially with some of these kind of lessons that Rudoscotti has said to her. Like, yeah. she She's taught her a lot, it feels like. Like, obviously, Serafina's experienced as a tribe leader but it does feel like Ruta Scotti has kind of said to her hey this is bad stuff that's gonna happen and then the bad stuff happened and she's like hey i told you the bad stuff was gonna happen
1: yeah and i mean they're both young right for witches so mm-hmm. it makes sense and uh, as you said there's been a lot of i think forcing one another to grow and as you mm-hmm. said it'll be interesting to see how she does that with lyra because we see that seraphina in in the show portrayal isn't all wise, knowing in the way that she kind of is that that pillar for Lyra in the books. All in all, you know, I agree with this episode feeling a little bit fillerish. Um, mm-hmm. It works though in showing how everything is coming together, uh, all the different parts, right? All the different moving parts that uh, are are going along in the story, especially setting things up right for the last episode. It's a good display of the forces that are at play here. And I think there's a lot of great emotional groundwork that's done for everyone. But to me, it does feel like a little less tight or cohesive than the previous episodes have been. But like, you know, in an album, they can't all be bangers.
0: (laughs) Speaking of music. No, and that's the other thing is, I think that some of these are going to get better, right, with time. (sighs) Like once you watch them as a whole, I think there's a certain charm after binging series one as an overarching story. You know, I think uh, watching it week to week is fun and different. You know, now we're in the, the different world where streaming yeah. comes out at once and time's not real anymore. But watching it week to week has given me something to be excited about again. And I think that once I watch it all together, I might judge it less harshly as an overarching, like, this is a thing we're missing story-wise.
1: I mean, it's fine, you know? Um, and as you said, when on rewatch and everything as a whole could hold together, like, way better, right? Again, everything can't be, like, as high-energy or climactic as the past few episodes. And also, like, there are gems, like that Paddington bear outfit that Lyra was wearing (laughs) that someone caught. Like, holy shit,
0: dude. I'd still also say it's more intelligent than most things on television right now. Oh, sure. You know, so I'm not not ever going to complain. I mean, it's a great adaptation. Yeah, I'm
1: not about to, like, look a gift horse in the mouth or whatever the saying (laughs) is. I'm actually really bad at idioms, so...
0: Everyone say thank you, BBC and (laughs) HBO. Well, back in Chitagatze, things are getting quite out of hand. Out of Will's hand, that is, because it is worsening. Sweaty, he's dreaming of his dad. His dad's saying that he has a task ahead of him, fingering the ring. I love the usage of the visions. Again, that motif of someone being called to in their sleep kind of builds up the roger reveal later i think in my head i'm just hmm. saying evidence towards a roger reveal hmm. he hears his dad say will it's revisited right it's slightly echoed when lyra goes to get water for his fever and the lord of the flies kids show up angelica and paula show up and angelica is calling after her eerily from the foggy alleyway she's like lyra
1: yeah and then of course lyra runs getting into the house and shutting and locking the door. It's, it feels sort of zombie-like, which is interesting in this context. Lyra rouses Will, and they pack up to run. They get to the top of the city and have a confrontation with the children, but then Seraphina swoops in to save them at the last second, and Lyra apologizes about Tulio, and Seraphina tells them to leave.
0: It's very sweet that Lyra, of course, still apologized, Right? Like, that's her good heart. She feels bad about it. Because it is a really shitty situation. Visually, this isn't how I expected it. Uh, with how everything went down. But it, it works. It works out. The Belvedere is supposed to be a building with a beautiful view. With arches looking out on the city. And the top of their love shack isn't quite doing it for me. Right? It's fine. I'm intrigued. It's still a beautiful view. I agree it's still a beautiful view. But it's not what I expected. Especially as far as the stairs go. And as we'll talk about in a bit, Will didn't cut the stairs.
1: Yeah, I kind of forgot about that. I kind of forgot how the whole layout, I remember being like, I don't understand (laughs) architecturally (laughs) what I'm looking at, like when we were discussing the chapter. And I think people can re-listen to my confusion there. Uh, I do like that the way they get to the roof, right, is they crawl upwards through a window. It almost feels like maybe this is tying into... Not window, that that little crawl space that we keep saying that they're looking at one another through. And it feels (laughs) like maybe it has to do with that and also the window coming from the underworld. And in general, I do like the way that they framed and shot the children as the threat here. I kind of wish that, as I've said before, they had built this up a little bit earlier in some of the earlier episodes, you know, with them attacking the cat. Um, I understand the goal of what they were going for and that build-up, and this being like, the, uh, things are getting bad now. Um, I get it. I get it. Um, and the way that they filmed this is a horror-like slasher film, which I guess is kind of ironic because Will's the one with the knife, and I think that... I want to say that someone talked about this before. I want to say it was maybe her dark materials, but I don't remember, like, in the trailer episodes or something like that. And... It is really interesting how it juxtaposes the threat against the two children versus the threat to the adults uh, in Chitigatse, right? Because the adults are, of course, at threat from the specters. The children, turns out, are really the big danger towards one another, especially Lyra and Will. And I think with that, you know, Seraphine, of course, swoops in to save Lyra and Will. And I think that's kind of important when we look at the events later on in the episode, right? Like the next adult. That the children see after a long, long while, you know, and they're looking for stability is someone who's very antagonistic towards them and is defending someone who has taken their shot at life away from them, or so they think. And so the way that they react to Mary later on is really interesting.
0: That's a great thought. It's a very different, you know, they, especially them watching her carefully, which we'll get into. Yeah. Well, cruising past the introduction, which is a banger, as always. Serafina surveys Will's wound and, of course, the subtle knife. Lyra tells him he has to trust Serafina and tell her the truth. Serafina thinks that they can create a spell to help Will's hand, but the plants in this world are weaker than the plants in their world. They set to foraging lichens. I really liked this one part where Serafina was like, what does this edge of the knife cut? And Lyra and Will simultaneously. Lyra goes everything and Will goes nothing. (laughs) <laughs> uh, my parents did that once i asked them if i could move back home and my mom was like yeah so my dad was like no <laughs> <laughs> at the same time
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: mood what a mood
1: it's them they're in love lee <laughs> and joppery yep. cruise toward the spirits in the sky then they pass through the veil and into a new world
0: Lee is woohooing the whole way through the new world in true Lee Scoresby style. I thought that was fun, and I'm going to miss them, man. Yeah, gonna miss they're going come a back. Lot. I know, briefly, but uh, it's not the same. And I know that there are some people that may not have loved Lin-Manuel as Lee Scoresby. I think he's a fun pick. I think Lee Scoresby is supposed to be a cheesy kind of character, in a really good way a cheesy old guy with a heart of gold yeah lynn's a little younger but i think he played him earnest and i liked that and i i liked his acting in this the episode three scene i didn't like the scene but i liked his acting and i think he did a great job honestly like i didn't love that but i liked his acting and i think he did a great job so I'm trying to embrace all these fun little moments like him woohooing through the other world because you know what? What a fun time. He was a fun character on this show.
1: He was. And I think both he and Andrew Scott have done a great job. They have great, a great dynamic together. And uh, someone else pointed out that we can call Andrew Scott whatever we want, but to them, he'll always be Moriarty. And I forgot. I forgot that. And I could
0: never forget that.
1: <laughs> I did. Um, I just like... A fleabag was really fresh in my mind, okay? And, <laughs> yeah, I I liked Lindenwell's performance, and I think he's done a wonderful, and really captured the Once Upon a Time in the Northly, so.
0: Yeah, I don't know, I like his swagger. I think he's supposed to be a little cheesy. He's going into bars, getting people drunk, trying to get info out of him, and starting fights. He's from the
1: country of Texas, like...
0: Goddamn.
1: <laughs> yeah, How much? how much, like... How serious am I supposed to take that?
0: I mean, if you met this man at a bar, you would not take him seriously. That's the point. I'm just saying. Well, (laughs) goddamn.
1: Now that we're such good friends, pours more liquor. Speaking Uh, of good friends. That's my kind of
0: friend. It's my kind of friend.
1: Actually, that is your kind of friend. (laughs) Uh, So, speaking of good friends, Mary's communing with dust, right? By casting the ijing. In Shitegatse.
0: Yeah. She's reading from the Book of Changes, right, as she sits on the steps of Shitegatse. And this is straight from the book. What she says, she says as she reads, Turning to the summit for provision of nourishment brings good fortune. Spying about with sharp eyes like a tiger with insatiable craving. Keeping still as the mountain, it is a by-path. It means little stones, doors, and openings. And then she reads further, which says, signs are coming that will steal you on your path. Mary in the show, of course, says, thank God, something I can understand, finally, which I thought was adorable and really funny, considering who she is. Like, oh, these are actual words that mean things, not just a fucking angel speaking through a computer. Uh, Even if this is slightly adapted, other than that, I mean, obviously meeting the children and the children spying on her. Uh, this is what happens. She does go to Chitagatse. It's very mildly explained. She sees lemon trees. She smells uh the scent on the breeze. She goes up the mountain and she finds another window, one that was opened during the American Revolutionary War. And interestingly enough, she steps through it to the Mulefa world. So maybe we'll see that window in the coming week. But she is under the protection of angels in this scene, and I love that once more we see that imprint. On those uh, cement stone walls, it looks like angel wings. I think it was you and I both pointed that out, that it looks like these beautiful just
1: huh. swoosh yeah. of
0: angel wings in the wall next to her. And, of course, directly behind her in the beautiful open space, you see the angel statue that flanks the tower, and it looks like it's protecting her as well. Really good framework.
1: Huh. I didn't even notice that. I think that's those are great call-outs, and... I mean, we know that they've been very intentional with a lot of the framing throughout the season, so.
0: Yeah, especially when it comes to these angels watching over her. Yeah. Or watching over Will and Lyra, for example, as we've seen kind of the male angel statues as a substitute until we get Baruch and Balthamos in the story. Oh my
1: god, they're so funny. Um, Until they're very leave. sad.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, then until really one sad. dies and then everything's awful, so. Yep. Well, another thing that's noticeable here is that Mary's outfit is now echoing Lyra's. You pointed out Lyra's floral belt last week, but now Mary has a headband similar colors with a similar floral pattern. And she's wearing denim blues under her green parka, which later it's just her denim blues.
1: Huh, interesting. Um, I will say that it feels like everyone has decided that a headband is their fashion accessory this episode, except for Lyra. And by that, I just mean, like, <laughs> Mary and Mrs. Culture. they're both like, hmm, headbands are in now. And regarding the parallels with Lyra's outfit, I think that was a really astute call, right? Because, like, Lyra's also wearing a denim shirt slash jacket now this week. And or something kind of like that, and later yes. Mary will, of course, remove part of her jacket to just be bringing that denim shirt.
0: Yes, yes. <sighs> I love it. I uh, I love that as their journeys continue and they're journeying on for knowledge. Yes. Another thing that's pointed out is that uh, in this Mary goes to that tree and she got and yes. takes fruit from it.
1: Yeah, and sort of uh, touches it and Just sort of enjoying things. Uh,
0: Especially after talking last week about Chambers and the Tree of Illusion and the Tree of Science. Mm. It really makes you think. really makes you think about that uh, movable garden.
1: It does. And of course, you know, she's admiring this like little tree, I guess, that's been cultivated in this kind of square. And you were talking about the bonsai tree. It's like a bigger bonsai tree, which I guess all trees are in a way.
0: Maybe it's like, I don't know. I mean, maybe the bonsai tree is everything. Wow.
1: Um, you know, while we think about that, Serafina and Lyra do some more bonding, right? Uh, Lyra tells Serafina that her father gave her a book about witches when she was younger, and she's like, hmm, they all had raven hair. Serafina's like, uh, yeah, those books were pretty irritating. And then mutters <laughs> that Asriel should know better. He knows what a witch looks like.
0: Interesting. So they keep making these clever jokes dancing around Ruta Azriel. It makes me wonder, like, so, okay, so the first thing is, I think this is a great line because the first significant witch we meet besides Ruda and Serafina this season is that blonde witch that was being tortured, right? So the very first prominent big witch that we don't know uh, is blonde. She's not raven-haired. So again, stupid. Yeah, that's stupid, real. You're an idiot. But. On a visual level, that's great. It does have a little bit of those, like, I'm not like other girls thing going on. And I'm like, all right, settle down. But it's okay, because fuck Asriel, go off. You know what I mean? I'm fine with that. I do wonder if the Ruta reveal might have been in the bottle episode. I say Um, that because in Jada Nuka's Q&A that she did on the Dark Materials account this week, she said that most of her time was spent with Rudig Remy Milner, and Sasha Frost, and three other better witches that we're not going to meet. Yeah. Hmm.
1: And Jade says three better witches. That is not our wording. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: yes, uh, that is interesting that it's, that's pretty sad. Uh, there's so much that I want from the bottle episode. One day, I believe, I believe we can get those one day.
0: I think we can get that script.
1: I mean, not we, I, I mean collectively you know, as the, all of the, us. The fandom. Yes. Yeah. Jack Doran, please do this for us. <laughs> um, but besides that, Lyra asks Seraphina, you know, what powers do you have? She's like, I know that you can, like, the cold doesn't really bother you. You can fly, also killing, and that you hear whispers on the wind. And she wants to know if Seraphina can keep Will safe. That's really important to her. And Seraphina says, well, we're going to have to travel back to the witch's lands because the flora is more powerful there, and I can hide the both of you. And she's like, I guess... And keep you both safe. And she's like, I guess. Mostly just Lyra.
0: <sighs> I love that. She's so sweet. She's immediately just like, what about Will? I
1: know. Lyra's so good about that, this episode. You know, coming back to that book, I... It's a lot of that witch world building that I think we got in book one. Where Seraphina basically tells Lyra, yeah, being a witch is fucking awesome. And <laughs> there's this great comparison, I think, being drawn here, as you said, right, with, uh... Lyra being like, please protect Will, and the fervor that Seraphina shows towards her responsibility mostly just to keeping Lyra safe. She's like, I guess Will's there too. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of compared with and maybe even li- very much likened to Joppery's single-mindedness in terms of protecting the knife bearer and that goal. Yeah, And I think it's really sad because like you see Will looking over and he's like I can kinda hear you and I think it's part of why he would distrust the witches of course right like his fear that they're gonna take Lyra from him and abandon him but I mean turns out it's someone else who's very likened to the witches who takes Lyra from him instead
0: yeah I didn't think about that that that's a very apt parallel of that kind of tunnel vision and single mindedness both of them have had all season when hysterically it turns out what they need is right there in front of them both of them right the bearer and the girl.
1: It's a mistake everyone makes in the books. It's, I think, also prominent and highlighted. That irony of everyone doesn't understand. They go together until they don't.
0: And then there's the irony of Asriel also being narrow-minded, right? And yeah. We have to kill God, and I'm also <sighs> going to make this beautiful kingdom where we can create all our war machines to do so, and then not use them for bad ever again after killing God. And, you know, war. War, not bad, Asriel says. Um... I digress, but like, it's those two extremes, right? Absolute two extremes. And there's even something here, and I'm not going to go into detail, but, and obviously flora and lichens are needed mm. for spells and potions and herbalism in general. But like, there's even something here that reminds me of flora in the secret commonwealth, for mm. example, Interesting. that makes me think about the strength of floral power.
1: I don't know. Even in the Mulefa world, actually, now that you mention it,
0: mm-hmm. oh yes, Eliana. oh yes, welcome aboard, Eliana, Now that you're uh,
1: aboard the Mulefa, thinking, yeah,
0: aboard the Mulefa.
1: God, um, I would only be so lucky and so honored.
0: I would say the seed pods are completely one-to-one parallel with something we learned about in the Secret Commonwealth, but that's just me.
1: The Mulefa, um, yes. But before then, way, way 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 before then, right? Mary sits at a beach of Chitigatse. Angelica and Paula watch her. Realizing she's unfrightened, Paula eating <laughs> berries off of a branch. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting with that fruit imagery there, and Mary's protected by angels, which is made evident of course by the swoosh of wings in the air for us <laughs> to see. She realizes she's being watched, but the girl's duck and it's more of that guardian angel thing that you were saying.
0: Yeah, I love that, that uh that she thinks she's being watched and she thinks it's just the kids, but it turns out she's actually also being watched by the angels. I think that's really brilliant. Uh, double watched. It's Aww. sad, though. This is a sad scene. I'm pretty sure this is where we see the, that one little flashback of Angelica and Paula uh, with their parents dying.
1: Ah,
0: here at this area with that archway. I want to say it's in the previews and that one flashback scene. So uh, for them to see an adult sitting at this beach where they previously had seen their family be taken by the specters, it's really sad.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like, based on the fact that there are boats there, right, and it looks like it's unfinished, maybe a lot of adults died here uh, trying to escape.
0: Hey, I, I, we never quite got that one scene, that one-to-one scene where Serafina, you know, watches the adults and the lake and everything. And yeah. there's the woman and the man that are helping the children. We never get that scene explaining that kind of whole situation. So I'm wondering if that's still to be remixed in the finale episode somehow with the witches, or if we uh, likely just saw it through that little quick flashback.
1: Maybe that was the bottle episode with the three better witches, yeah. right? That's it wasn't yeah. Serafina and Ruta, right? And three other witches went in first. It's not that they were with Azriel, but it was part of that. Which would make yeah. sense because that'd be like in the med- immediate aftermath, right, of mm-hmm. him going through.
0: Yeah, and I think you'd see a ton of like they said Tulio was going to be heavily featured, so I think it'd be heavily drawn from that.
1: We're gonna we're gonna reconstruct this bottle somehow in our heads.
0: Oh, I've I've already started in our Google docs I'm <laughs> yes, one step have. ahead of you. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Did someone say February? We don't know. Well, Lyra and Will trail behind the witches. Lyra explains that she feels safer with these witches. They're connected to the earth. They understand more things. Will's like, I just need you to check the alethiometer, Lyra. And he's in pain. He's faltering. She's really worried about him. And he kind of misinterprets that worry. The- their communication's out of whack because, you know, he's only in shock from blood draining out of his body. And she's also anxious. So uh, he- he's like, you're afraid that I can't go on. And he's like, just ask the alethiometer where my father is. So she does, she's a little shaken, she walks off, asks it, and he's cringing, holding it together, and she says, your dad's close, he's in our world.
1: Dude, Lyra doing that is so big. Will's feeling a lot of anxiety right now, and I appreciate anyone doing any dumb shit to yeah. alleviate my anxiety all the time. Thank you, Chloe, for dealing with me. Um, Always. <laughs> but you were talking about this earlier, and the way that Lyra's just so committed to Will I think is really important for setting stuff up in both this episode And the next, you know, she's showing a lot of really great loyalty in protecting Will because he, of course, demonstrated incredible loyalty and even grace to her when retrieving the lithiometer. That was like a fucking ordeal. And Uh (laughs) perhaps she even feels that Will, like meeting his destiny and losing his fingers, right, is somewhat partially her fault because they had to even like go get the knife because of the part where the lithiometer was stolen. And he kind of got beat up because of Lord Boreal too. And, you know, as you're saying about how Will feels, right, he's terrified of demonstrating weakness throughout this episode. And we can see a little bit of that why. Uh, because when he shows vulnerability to Lyra and what is my favorite scene in this episode, uh, when he talks about his mother and how the bullies among the children would latch on to that and, like, torture her, uh, you know, because they saw she was vulnerable and different and to, her- to them weak and... Will doesn't want that to happen to him. Along with not wanting to hold back Lyra or be a burden to her, he feels two things: a fear that she will leave him because of that weakness, uh, and maybe be whisked off by the witches, and a fear of maybe slowing down whatever quest she has. Which is, I mean, his dad. So I don't know. Anxiety's weird. But it's important to show in contrast, you know, their relationship, um, to to contrast Mrs. Coulter and what she does to Lord Boreal at the end of this episode. Because Mrs. Coulter doesn't believe that um, they are equals and believes that Lord Boreal would hold her back. So she gets rid of him, right? And what she perceives as his own weakness. And as for the next episode, I think that the anxiety that Will feels and the commitment he and Lyra show one another... That really highlights uh, what's going to be the emotional crux of that cliffhanger next episode. Especially if Baltamos and Baruch have been cast, I think we're likely going to see that scene then of Lyra being gone and Will being like, shit. And um, taken by her mother, who is doing what the witches want to do, hide Lyra away and keep her safe. But, you know, if the witches had done it, at least Lyra would have been conscious. So, you know, fuck.
0: Man, just as Will loses his father, Lyra gains a nightmare.
1: Yeah, a long one. A really long nightmare, it seems.
0: (sighs) Joppery and Lee soar along. They discuss Chitagatse, where they're heading. It was once a great city, as we know, and has fallen on hard times, is what Joppery says. Okay, Joppery. Understatement. Uh, Lee says that, right, I'm like, understatement of the world. Lee says that in another life, he'd probably be scavenging it, but he's no longer that man, and they start to discuss shamanism. Lee is surprised that Joppery cannot fly or use powers, but Joppery's like, obviously I can. I needed to fly, and you showed up, didn't you? He's like, I've spent time with witches, spirits, academicians. He's found folly everywhere he's gone, but this journey, he's not sure if it's folly or wisdom. They talk about the bearer of the knife, and what the bearer is going to have to do to protect Lyra and everyone else as well. Great mention of the witches in there also, the way he discussed his magic and different things with witches. It was good setup for next episode, saying that he knows witches and academicians.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wonder how they're going to do that. I don't know if they're going to do it the same. <sighs> I don't know. It'll be interesting. Interesting. The comparison, though, about him being able to fly is taken from the book, and I do – I actually really love that moment. It's such a fun, like, little thought experiment. And watching Joppy talk about how, like, long ago he lost hope of ever finding that window to find his way back to his family – Um, I think that's really interesting because when the anomaly appears, right, we don't see like showing any sign of hope of finding his family, right? Right. Um, It being a window back into his own world, that just shows how incredibly hopeless he thinks it is to see Will and Elaine again. He's just, like, given up on that. And I think that's part of why he's so intent on finding the bearer and helping the bearer. You know, earlier it kind of seemed like he felt like it was just this magic quest, right? And talking about his son to Lee may have felt at first a little bit like a, well, he'll be protected too, um, justification. But I think it really, really, truly is the way that Jopprey feels is the one way he can impact his son's life for the better from so far away, not knowing that the knife bearer is his son. He's like, I can do this one thing, even if I never see them again.
0: Yeah, I think they're really hitting the emotional notes with that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just by bringing it up and the way they focus specifically on that dialogue, that makes me kind of I uh, I don't know, really focus it on it. I, I'm I'm happier to pay attention to this plot in the show just because of that, and I am curious to see how. I'm curious to see how the witches are going to affect it now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah how is it going to be smooth flowing that some witch suddenly realizes that's the man I love? I I hope that one of the witches says, like, in the beginning of the episode, maybe while climbing with Lyra and Will, says, I was in love. I was in love with the shaman once or something. You know, I don't know, just something. Because I just feel like it's so disconnected.
1: Or they don't do it, or it's like a misunderstanding in a different way. Um, Hmm. I don't know. Like, I'm almost like thinking what if it's not a witch next episode but also you know as you were saying they really hit the emotional beats and they've done a good job of flushing out those emotional motivations for Jobrets it's his son and for Lyra Roger being brought up again and again as a driving factor as i think both of those have been smart
0: yeah will and lyra confront the pain that will's feeling finally and the pain that's kind of causing him to be a little abrasive right Lyra's like, maybe we should stop to rest, Will. You're not feeling great. And he's like, no, no, you're using me as an excuse to stop. Because that makes sense, William. And he apologizes. He's like, I'm sorry, I was vulnerable. I let it get the better of me. And she's like, yeah, we need to rest. And she tells Seraphina as such.
1: Oh, she's a leader. <laughs> and then Lord Boreal and Mrs. Coulter enter Chitagatseh
0: amazing lens flare here Mm. Uh, it reminds me a little bit and no spoilers of the non-migraine auras that get introduced in the books of dust it's also Mm. very clear from the way she's holding herself presenting herself the confidence the strut as they go through here the power dynamic has definitely changed
1: oh yeah definitely
0: he's like reluctant to go anywhere
1: yeah understandably it's a pretty dangerous world and Speaking of fashion hour, it's interesting that Mrs. Coulter's outfit in general, right, feels very like she's going on, I don't know, a fucking safari, which is weird, or something. Um, maybe that's just in my head, uh, the interpretation of her outfit as such, but it is interesting in the context of some other things we're going to talk about with Mrs. Coulter and Control later. But also, I don't know if you mm. noticed, her. we talked about a few episodes ago, her heels look like they might have been snakeskin. And her, uh, what is this, ascot? handkerchief around her is a snake skin pattern
0: it's amazing as though she's trying to signal
1: something she's like signaling like oh we're on the same page but really she's just
0: pretending it's like when you're supposed to match as a couple thing and he's like he's like oh you're wearing snake skin to match me honey but she's like no i'm wearing snake skin because i'm gonna peel your skin off
1: yeah, and it's like, that's they're not matching. Is. This is the least no. kept I've seen Lord uh, Lord Boreal's outfit.
0: Well, that's the thing, is it, he has a literal... This episode, you can see him weaken. You can mm. physically see he's weak. He's nervous. He's like a nervous Nelly. He's like when you watch horses on TV and they're nervous. He's like that right now. He's like, oh, I'm skittish. I'm running from confrontation. Maurice is out here just like, here I am. I'm going to do what I want. But he looks unkempt um he looks nervous he doesn't want to go through with this it's very obvious that he's scared and she is mad which
1: is very interesting people who are not scared also is mary who again is still being watched by angelica and paula
0: yes she calls for them to come out she offers them another muesli bar Saying, you won't tell your parents, which is, like, bad news. Of course you won't, Mary. They're (laughs) dead. Too soon, Mary. Uh, Far too soon. They tell Mary about the specters and how the adults fled up the mountain once the specters came. And the other kids, too. They then tell her about trying to murder Lyra. And they're like, was that wrong? And she's like, yes? Question mark? The fuck? Uh, They're like, well, Lyra's with the witch, so. And then Paula asks if... Mary will hug her if she can have a hug from Mary, which Mary does give her.
1: Yeah. So they're doing multiple things in this episode and multiple things with this scene specifically. Some of it works for me and some of it doesn't, to be honest. Like I think that the duality and the tragedy of the children of Chittagatse is one of the things that they're trying to drive home here. And I really appreciate it. I think it's um, ambitious and it's, I, I respect the intent. I really do. And I, it just doesn't actually land for me, is is the thing, right? And that's, of course, my subjective opinion. Uh, part of it might be whether I think it needed to, like, contrast more, right, to their behavior. And again, set that up even earlier of them as this really sort of um, malicious force in Shittagatze. Hmm. And then kind of turn that on its head. Um, because I think they're only really, truly terrifying for this brief moment, right? Uh, before becoming these watchers of Mary. And I think part of it is that, like, I understand the point that Angelica and Paula, despite everything, right, they're still both supposed to be very young. They, They are, of course, adolescent, but they are both still children, not adults, and need care. And I get that. But there's something about the scene, and it's delivery that didn't work for me. And I don't know if it's, like, And this is obviously the fault of no one because no one can help this. But, like, I don't know if they're just both too tall (laughs) for me (laughs) in the way that the scene goes. Like, and, and, like, kind of undercuts how some of it is supposed to be. And, like, I don't know. There's something, it, it just doesn't land for me right.
0: Yeah, there's something off tonally. And we talked a lot about this in our Subtle Knife episode, His Dark Materials episode 14. Chapters 11 and 12 in total depth. So we'll keep it shorter here, but there's a lot being played on in the book that's missing here in the subtle knife that Pullman uses. They're a bit tamer in the show, as you mentioned. Uh, In the books, Angelica is leading a crowd jeering through the city with guns, with weapons that they've made themselves cocked, ready, loaded to go. And it's surreal because you're like this child militia has joined Uh up. Uh, And that is a microcosm, right, of the war we're about to see being fought against God. But they've already become broken child soldiers. They've watched their parents be consumed in front of them. And a lot of these kids in the book end up hurting themselves. The guns fire off, stairs collapse on them, and Will cuts the stairs away to save him and Lyra. So it's their fault the stairs collapse on these kids. That's true. kids die. Several kids die during this in the books. It's like a very emotionally charged scene. Uh, It echoes the climax of Lord of the Flies really well we've discussed because kids are just dying everywhere. The way the writing team framed this with Angelica and Paula is softer. Uh, In Lord of the Flies, the group think evolves and it becomes more violent over time and there are two paths of thinking. There are two boys that are symbolic of that. There's Ralph who represents social order, and Jack, who represents savagery. They're seeking to kill a beast who keeps talking to them from a cave, but it turns out the beast isn't the beast. The actual beast is the dark side of human nature, which you can't kill, motherfucker. It turns out you can't do it. One of the boys, Simon, has this revelation where he understands that the beast is human nature, and he's caring for an ostracized member of the group, Piggy. He ends up murdered. He's chased through the forest and the children are screaming, kill the beast, spill his blood. And that's what these kids are doing in the books with Lyra and Will. They're saying, get them, kill them, spill their blood. Uh, And while Simon was really just trying to help maintain balance as Will and Lyra are doing here, they saw Simon as the beast instead of confronting that same revelation. So they kill him. And of course, later, Ralph is fleeing the savage boys running through the woods when he finds a naval officer who rescues them, and they start telling the officer what happened. And these kids are transformed, right? They turn from being these wild children that have started this game of war where they've murdered each other into children. They're crying. And in mm-hmm. this, it feels rushed. Uh, it feels like there's no stakes and the emotion feels off. The last passage of the Lord of the Flies at the end is is really emotional. It goes, the tears began to flow. "'and sobs shook him. "'He gave himself up to them now "'for the first time on the island, "'great shuddering spasms of grief "'that seemed to wrench his whole body. "'His voice rose under the black smoke "'before the burning wreckage of the island, "'and infected by that emotion, "'the other little boys began to shake and sob too. "'And in the middle of them, "'with filthy body, matted hair, unwiped nose, "'Ralph wept for the end of innocence, "'the darkness of man's heart.' The fall through the air of the true wise friend called Piggy. It's still a really sweet scene, but without that that loss of innocence, right? Like seeing these these children that have become warriors on accident because they've had to to survive, uh, where they just are brought to nothing and brought to be like, can I just have a hug? That is something that I would have loved to see, but these kids did not quite get that background, I don't feel.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, the scene ends with Angelica asking if Mary would stay with them, take care of them for a little, asking Mary to remind them to take showers. Because, as we know, that's a thing that I guess (laughs) the kids don't do with Lara being like, nah, I smell fine. And.
0: (laughs) Me camp fifth grade, I'm just saying. Been there.
1: I'm not saying things haven't gotten awry for me this COVID times, but. um, Mary says no. But then she agrees to take them to the adults on top of the mountain. And I think that the second thing, right, that this scene does that is well demonstrated uh, by Mary's scenes throughout the episode in general is establishing her character. And I think, again, should be seen in contrast to Mrs. Coulter's own approach to especially understanding in new places. Both are scientists and experimental theologians, and as we discussed last episode, have different motivations, with Mary seeking to learn, to understand, for the sake of it, and Marisa kind of seeking to understand in order to exert control. When Mary first enters Chittagatse, what she does is take it all in with this sense of wonder, right? She wanders Chittagatse to appreciate and marvel at despite what's happened. And she also has the luxury of doing so because she's protected, but whatever. Um, And as you said, right, she doesn't notice the angels, uh, but the children, and later on sees them. And I think it harkens back to Mary and her uh, scenes with her niece and nephew. It's established that she has rapport with children, understands them, and she does the exact same thing in offering them this uh, kind of candy, not really candy. And maybe that's also preparing us a bit for her role as the serpent, right? As she offers food, this tempting, this offering of fruit, sugar, sweetness, that taste. But it also really shows her, again, in contrast to Mrs. Coulter's approach. Mrs. Coulter enters and then masters the specters, right? She changes and affects this place immensely just by being there. And that's how she approaches everything. It's really highlighting why Mary's encounters with the Malayfa, I think, are just so pleasant in the Amber Spyglass, in that she goes in there and what she does is she seeks to communicate and understand them. She learns their language and becomes a part of their society helping build things and, and... uh, contribute. She shows them kindness uh, in the same way she's showing the children the kindness, and to be honest, everyone else that she encounters, as long as she doesn't think that they're from the Department of the Defense, right? Uh, for mm-hmm. example, where she's like, oh, Mrs. Coulter, I'll make you some coffee. Then she's like, fuck, all I got are these dirty cups, and Mary's just doing the best she can. Mary yeah. just... Comes at it with respect, and I now like think of like, imagine if Mrs. Coulter had been the one, right, to find and enter the world of the Malayfo. Like, holy shit, what a mess going there in her, like, fucking colonizer outfit, right? She would have likely tried to subjugate them or gain power amongst the Malayfo, like, immediately, and it would have all gone pretty horribly. Uh, In general, and I think that has to do with just who she is, right? And there's, I think, an irony with the end of her story, right? As we're reminded this episode, she's been on a quest for knowledge for this prophecy about Lyra, Lyra's name for years, maybe in a hope to finally control or master her own daughter, as we'll see in the next few scenes. And when she finally does get that name of Lyra and learns it and understands her daughter's destinies, when she finally is like, "Hmm, I will let go now. I will surrender and show weakness, but it's not bad.
0: Yeah, it's very complex. And I think there's definitely something in that that uh, the way that Coulter learns and the way that she manipulates matter. And we see it further in this episode as we go along. But before we get to that, we'll see Joppery and Lee once more moving along, making good time. And Joppery tells Lee that he doesn't think he could ever get back, right? He he had Uh never known about his demon even until he had gone to another world. Nice foreshadowing there, I thought. I was like, oh, thanks for calling that out loudly and boldly, just in case you wonder where Will and Lyra are going and what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People
1: keep asking me, they're like, mm, is Will ever going to see his demon? I'm like, I don't
0: know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh,
1: Interesting question. Listen to my pocket. It's funny <laughs>
0: you say that because I keep hearing people ask me. Hey, are Will and Lyra ever going to, you know, like kiss and then have to uh, walk away from each other forever and ruin each other's lives by never seeing each other again?
1: Who the fuck is asking you that very pointed question?
0: Me, myself.
1: <laughs> I. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who's asking hurtful things?
0: No one, just you, <laughs> just us of ourselves. It's just me and you and our DMs towards so demons. We get a really cute bit of the episode. I loved this. I, I this might have been my second favorite scene because. Mm. Lee is like, I'll make some coffee, with Mr. Joppy." Yeah, with some clean cups. And Joppery's like, I can help. And Lee's like, what are you gonna, no, what are you gonna do? Magic us some fire. And Joppery's like, yeah, I will. And then he pulls <laughs> out matches and throws them at him. And I was like, oh, that's great. Cute banter. A plus banter. Good chemistry.
1: Yeah. I kind of wish we had gotten the one-liner about him learning about it in Boy Scouts. It's not, like, a big deal. It's only for my own personal pleasure, but I love. I love the way they did that. It was perfectly delivered.
0: Yeah, I I like their chemistry a lot. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't. uh, They have
1: great chemistry. I I would. I was surprised.
0: No, they do. They do. It's there to build on. But I'm really glad that Lin Manuel and Andrew Scott. I'm glad they have good chemistry for sure. It's kind of very quaint, right? You have Lee, and I think this is like you said in the books. It's it's meant to be juxtaposed this way that Lee is a little too much, a little too earnest, right? lived a little too much life too earnestly and he's eager and he's honest and joppery is kind of reserved quiet and like you'll see in due time lee scores being lee's like i want results now mr joppery and i like those characters being pressed together and made to work together all for one common cause i think that's something pullman does really well and it's well done with these actors as well
1: i think that makes sense right Based on which prophecy child they are tied with, right? Like these um, earnest, like Lyra and Jopperys had to hide a lot of secrets because he's like, I can't really just tell people I'm from a whole other alternate dimension. The way that Will's had to live with his secrets of like, oh my god, um, I'm taking care of my mom,
0: like reserved. father like
1: son, yeah.
0: Secrets, yeah. secrets.
1: Seraphina worries about the knife. She tells Lyra she doesn't trust the knife. And asks if Will is actually seriously worthy of the knife. And Lyra's like, well, my role is to help Will find his father. And tells her about losing the alethiometer and how important it is to her and how it's a part of her. And Seraphine has heard actually great things of Lyra's alethiometer reading, but she thinks that Lyra's obstinance is actually her better gift.
0: It's interesting that she's heard things about the alethiometer reading. I'm like, is it from Farter Corum that she's heard these things? I don't know. Uh. Interesting, but something to think about. This is really good foreshadowing buildup for Lyra losing that ability to read the alethiometer as well as separating from Pan, right? Because Lyra says, this is a part of me. Like, I can't lose it. This is who I am. Reading the alethiometer feels right. And in this, Seraphina is hinting that life goes on. Right, that, that the alethiometer doesn't define how extraordinary, how special Lyra is. I really liked that.
1: Yeah, that fucking kills me. Um Everyone's
0: special. Oh yeah.
1: The witches begin their spell because they must stop Will's bleeding. Before finding his father or else Will's going to fucking just bleed out and die. (laughs) (laughs) So what was the point? And they're like, they lay their hands on Will and they grind up flora and apply it. They whisper some phrases.
0: Yeah, the spell is actually in Lithuanian. Uh, Rudigabinta's Serafina was whispering the spell in Lithuanian. It's her home language. Her father actually helped give them lessons on the spell. I thought that was great. It was a gorgeously done scene beautiful, just even the symmetry of how things are laid and uh, the the lichen being laid on Will and it was a very nice scene.
1: Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, Lyra also asked the alethiometer for a Will's dad update and then tells her to keep going up and she's like, <laughs> interesting, I don't think we have that movie in my world and <laughs> Serafina tells her to stay close to Will and keep him warm. Oh,
0: Oh, that's a little... And I mean, even, even the way Pan is, Pam curls up in Will's neck, in the crook of his neck, hmm, and he says to Li- <laughs> he turns to Lyra, and he's like, we feel safe here, don't we?
1: <laughs> no. Uh, that one I considered, if that would be my favorite scene or not, because again, I'm very predictable. Um, I like the way that they did this spell scene, uh, and instead, you know... How they wove it in with, that, with the language, the Lithuanian language, and the witches throughout the show, right? By changing the opening credits to be more inspired by the spell that we actually get in the book that is hearkening, speaking to the subtle knife directly, but in Latin. I love that little, yeah, at the end of the yes. opening credits. It's a fantastic, great touch that always makes it feel kind of witchy to me um it's fascinating we didn't get kill a rabbit and bring it back to life though i don't know why i kind of wanted that um but maybe i'm a little messed up and you know again i I did
0: too because i think it symbolizes like the story moving forward Uh, of uh... life rebirth uh lyra saving the people stuck in the underworld
1: the sacrifice and things yeah, like the that sacrifice, as a the bomb. figures. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Especially because they're calling Lyra's sacrifice in this episode. Interesting. That's true. I just wanted it for, I don't know, shock, <laughs> shits and giggles. Um, and also, I will say, I'm fine with it not being in the show, but if you wanted, the original spell in the books is very much written as a poem. Philip Pullman's first love when it came to English was poetry this entire story is inspired by a poem and if i feel like an overachiever maybe i'll like take that part out for all of you to listen to but go check out our analysis of this poem and how it how it works as a spell yes in that subtle knife episode
0: fra pavel has found marisa coulter finally in another world father MacPhail once more asks for pavel to find out who is lyra and it turns out she's a little important
1: a little What's also important is how many fucking buttons Fra Pavel has. He's not the only one. I'm just like, oh my god, that must take so long.
0: I know. Imagine sewing that.
1: Oh, that's true too. But at least you only have to sew it all on there once, right? Imagine having to wear this all the time. Like, having to take it all up and then put it back. It sounds like an ordeal. Maybe they like that. Maybe that's part of their fucking self-punishment.
0: Talk about the hand in the flame.
1: Yeah, I mean, he uh, Pavel alludes to that uh, when he's like, I need to be punished before I say what I'm about to say, right? Kind of insinuating that. And in terms of what he's going to say with this prophecy, I like that they kind of laid on thick here as to what Lyra's name would be. They don't say the name right away, um, you know, so that those who might not have read the books can start piecing it together. But he gets cut off right before the big reveal, which is a technique that they use again a little bit later on in this episode. But Before then, uh, Mrs. Coulter and Boreal descend into Chittagatse. They come across a man who has been attacked by the specters, and Marisa examines him. Boreal thinks it's similar to severing, but Marisa explains that it's much more powerful.
0: It's interesting comparing the two situations, right? When Lyra
1: had the
0: same exact situation, she tried to help the man get water and tried to guide him toward a better place where he could be. And here, what does Marisa do, but immediately exploit his position and try to learn and understand dust due to him. Just like you were mentioning with Mary Mm -hmm. and the Mulefa earlier of how when she got into the Mulefa world, she didn't immediately exploit their entire situation. She learned she tried to understand. Uh, So you have this great contrast between Marisa Lyra and Mary going on in this episode.
1: Yeah, the first thing Mrs. Colger do does is like go.
0: (sighs) I like the snarl. The, uh, the...
1: (sighs) Yeah, I do that to- uh, I was outside at night once in a park in the city. There were a lot of rats. And that works if you hiss at them. I was like, maybe they're really? like, I'm a cat. Or they're just like, that person's a lunatic.
0: Yeah, they probably think you're a lunatic. That's probably uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. Speaking of lunatics, the Magisterium <laughs> plans to attack. McPhail rallies up troops to get Lyra, sending them through the anomaly. He calls it a great sacrifice- that Lyra will be the first to uptake it. Oh, God. He's going to make fail at this bomb. Mm-hmm. That is. Yup.
1: I wonder how many dad jokes he makes to Lyra. Or, sorry, he makes a Daphne
0: Apparently, about the Apparently, they actually. And he's probably like, you're dot bomb.com, girl. I would uh,
1: do that if I had a child. Was long-
0: yeah. They have worked in other shows together. Huh. And he has killed her before on a show. So <laughs> this is nothing new.
1: Yeah, at least this time he doesn't succeed, so.
0: Yeah. She gets one over on him finally in her career. Good for you, Daphne.
1: Finally, yeah. There's again that great framing of Father Macphail uh, with the insignia of the Magisterium behind him. They've been doing some interesting framing with his head and light behind him in general. Seraphina and Will have their own little chat. It's not really like reassuring for Will, I think. She tells him that a wound opened by magic must be closed by magic.
0: So I've been thinking about the amber spyglass, Uh and it's because my brain won't shut the fuck up ever, right, Uh, for once in its life, but a wound opened by magic, must be closed by magic. (sighs) Makes me think about the amber spyglass, Uh and how the windows have to be closed, With him on the other side and her on the other side. Yeah, I'm doing this right now again. I'm so sorry. You guys just have to get sad with me. Everyone just get tucked in. Get a little morose. Uh, We're turning the mood down for a minute. But, you know, they have to close the windows on the other side of each other. They have to close the wound. But if you've read the Books of Dust... It seems that that wound might still be open, at least in Lyra's heart, right? How do you get over your first love ever? I'm just... What if we're going to close the wound someday? Close it with magic. Closure? Closure? I do
1: think it's about closure, right? Even when yeah. we will. Um, Will. To be fair to everyone, like, you know... It wasn't that hard. Oh, It was difficult, right? But of course, I eventually got over my first love because they were not, like, super awesome at that time. But what do you do if you've gone to the fucking underworld <laughs> with your first love? Yeah. Not everyone has had that experience. When so. you've
0: been through so much fucking trauma with that person yeah. and so much insane shit that, like, there's only one other person that could ever understand you in any of the worlds, and you can't ever see them again. The worst. <laughs> Oh, so, yeah, so that's what I thought about, and immediately gonna I was cry like, so sad, hard. dude, next week alone, I don't even, <sighs> yeah, close the wound, close it.
1: Let's talk about a different wound and the closure for that, coming back to Will's actual wound, right? This one seems a little easier, still sad, but like, I think it makes sense why it's Will's father, who's the one who's able to heal him, besides like you know. We do a good job of establishing how powerful Jopri is in terms of magic this episode, because that's important for that. But I mean, it's also like a deeper wound than that, right? Because the knife can cut through anything. And as you're saying about closure, right, can -hmm. even cut through spirit. And I think Will's wound is definitely, it it seems like they've been building it up that his wound is a hole left by his father's disappearance. They allude to it here in this episode as well. And he kind of gets a bit of closure for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, even here, what with what he says to her, right in the episode of it, not just here, but also last episode at the end of the episode when he was like, "I've never had to worry about my mom in that way. Like, it doesn't matter that Will is a responsible child caregiver. Like, it doesn't matter that he's able to do it or that he has done it. It matters yeah. that, like, no matter what, if you've had a parent, if you've lost a parent, if you've had a parent leave you or abandon you, you're always going to wonder why wasn't I good enough." Yeah. You're always gonna want to know, and you'll. It doesn't matter how shitty the person was, if you've never really gotten to meet them in your conscious life, you're always gonna wonder. It doesn't matter. You will always wonder. So the fact that he at least got to meet him, got to, I mean, he'll he'll have years to wrap his head around it, right? Like he'll have decades to think about it and try to understand it and try to put the pieces together of who his father was and what his father experienced. Uh, But he just, uh, he at least gets the chance to see him.
1: He gets some, yeah, I mean, that is, like, a closure that people, like...
0: It's the best you can get. Dream
1: of. (laughs) No, but it is, like, in real life. So many people don't get that. And he gets some answers and has, like, a a starting point. I kind of Mm -hmm. wonder if they're gonna have Jopri mention his son, right? um, As he's healing the knife bearer, being like, this is good, this is for my son, etc. And the world that he wants to happen and then they look at each other and like that's part of the closure i i don't know
0: it's just such a beautiful passage too so i hope it it it, i think it's gonna have that perfect emotion i think they'll do it fine i'm not even gonna worry right now as we go through this because i just know them i feel like i know them i think we're pretty intimate us and his dark materials you know at this point and i don't think they're gonna do me wrong i don't I, no, I, maybe I don't think this that is they some will. Christmas miracle, but I think they're going to make me cry. I, that like language of the blue eyes finding his <sighs> eyes and the shock. Oh, I think it's going to be amazing and I think it's going to be heart aching and I just can't wait.
1: I mean, I think that they're going to do fine. I'm just specterulating, you know?
0: Oh, my God. Okay. Speaking <laughs> of the specters, the next scene is badass, right? This is the killer. We talked about the filler, but this is the killer coulter controls the specters she examines things in a medicine cabinet in one of the houses in chitigatse while boreal watches the specters kind of begin to flood he's like oh they're coming soon i can feel them he takes refuge within the doors of a building and when he sees marisa coulter and the monkey are not responding and taking refuge he (laughs) locks the door he's like fuck you good luck girl like, I may have played Lighthouse Family last week, but this week, it is all you. You are on your own. Coulter puts herself in a state of negative capability and is able to control the Spectres. They whirl around her, responding to her, and it's it's an epic shot. I mean, uh, just throw it at her, you know? Just give her the fucking Emmy at this point. Like, what's the point? What's the point in giving the Emmy to anyone else in any of the categories when you could just hand it to Ruth Wilson? It's already happening. Uh, Even just her portrayal of that negative capability, right? Like the same thing we see Lyra do on her alethiometer. It's very obvious they're relating that same state to Coulter controlling the specters. We've seen it play out on screen in the cave with the dust coming to life. Uh, Uh. Just like the cave. So I find that interesting. And another thing, speaking of the cave. Coulter grabs the poison in this scene, right, that she plans to use on Boreal as she shuffles around in this med- this kind of medicine cabinet. Did she grab any other drugs while she was in this medicine cabinet? Hmm.
1: That's interesting. That's interesting. You were talking about that earlier. To me. Yeah. Just me. We'll come back to that. I love the windows on this house. I just want to point that out. They're really nice windows. I don't know if they're like irises or lilies. I also like uh, that scene, right? You were talking about Lord Boreal um, closing himself in when he's like, oh, Maurice is not doing shit. Shrimp. (laughs) And he closes the windows though, right? And we... To protect himself, and you see him through it. I think we saw that in the trailers, but we didn't know what it was referring to. And since season one, we've been talking about Lord Boreal and how he's framed through these windows. So I thought that there was something wonderfully significant about this action as he closed it as though he's the windows are going to close on him forever.
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: I thought it was just lovely and also something fascinating to me as Mrs. Coulter tames the specters, right, is it looks as though for a moment as she reaches her hand out, one of the specters splits into two based on the motion of her hand and Mm -hmm. it now like looks like there are two fucking specters where before there was only one, which is worse, Uh, because I guess they're like earthworms and she's just made now two specters.
0: Ah, I love it. I- I it was a very beautiful rendition. I mean, again, just put her in whatever outfit and have her make faces at me and I'll pay her, you know, like fucking Ruth Wilson, ladies and worms, ladies and specters, but uh, ladies worms. and earthworms, oh, worms. No, uh, it, sh- sh- the splitting was interesting because you're splitting matter, right? Like, that's the thing is, mm, or anti-matter. it's all matter. It's all, or antimatter. Yeah, it's all just matter though right like it's all the building blocks the fundamental building blocks and as she said if you can understand it you can control it so i know that she's the one that teaches them to fly off page ish and the books right like we kind of see it kind of don't um i like this i think this was fine it works i think it makes sense
1: yeah i i think it was executed well mm-hmm Jabari and Lee fly over the city. They see specters swarming the city, and worse, behind them, is following the magisterium zeppelins. And Jabari tells him to keep flying. The wind's going to be on their side. And you know, speaking of the scene that we just saw regarding specters, they couldn't fly until now, I guess. Um, But I think that I am fear in my understanding of them flying as they swirled up the tower, alright, and that I have done nothing wrong.
0: like, yeah, that's my question is how what do you mean they they couldn't fly? I think they could fly. They looked like they were they flying looked like for as every a reason who you were I, yeah, as a person who <laughs> cannot levitate off the ground more than eight feet, those bitches were in the fucking air. Okay, they were flying. I don't know. That's just how I feel about it. Was it like but, they just
1: couldn't go far real fast or something they had to swirl around.
0: Marisa Coulter taught them cardio.
1: I mean, can she teach
0: me? Marisa Coulter car, yeah? taught the Spectres Pilates.
1: I think she should teach me anyways.
0: I heard Marisa Coulter does foreign card commercials when she got say I hear her hair is insured for a hundred thousand whatevers, wherever world you're in, a hundred thousand dollars. I don't know. Ugh. Marisa Coulter punched me in the face once. It was awesome.
1: Actually, that one does sound... <sighs>
0: Real. It sounds real. So, (laughs) Lord Boreal examines this new power that Marisa has brought over the specters, while if you peek, you'll see Joppery and Lee flying Ah, overhead for a hot frame. Yep, just watch that one frame. Yes, you'll see the balloon right over (sighs) Chitigatse. Very exciting. Brilliant. Yes. Coulter (sighs) explains her secret at controlling the specters to Boreal, and then they sit down for their celebratory meal of fruit. Fermented fruit. It's wine.
1: Good. Um, interesting. I like that Mrs. Coulter gives us, though, a bit more explanation on how she controls the specters here, and partially because she has a sounding board off of Boreal. I don't know if she had that in the books, if I'm not mistaken. Because, like, in the books, I'm still, I was still confused. I'm like, I believe she did it, but my understanding is she did it through, like, sheer force of will. I'm like, I don't get it.
0: Through negative capability.
1: I mean, I think that the way she explained it and did it here, right? She stepped away from yeah. the demon and had him go into that na- negative capability state. That, like, made sense. In the books, I'm just like, alright, she was just like...
0: It was definitely a better explanation.
1: That's just my personal opinion. Um, yeah. And, anyway. Will and comes commiserate over Kintsugase.
0: He tells her he's seen children act like this before. He talks about children who had violently harassed his mother. He tells her he thought one day his dad might come back and change everything, right? Things would get better. He would have friends. His mom would get better. But the older he got, he knew it would never happen and that he couldn't trust anyone. Well, Lyra chimes in, till you met me. And he smiles and says, yeah, till I met you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, they continue on their path up the mountain with the witches. It's just cute, and she's a demanding little shit.
1: She is. She looks so proud of herself. She's like,
0: "Till you met me, <laughs> you didn't trust yeah. anyone either, Eliana." Till you met me,
1: it's a cute. What? What? <laughs> what?
0: Who said that? Who said
1: that? <sighs> I don't know. Interesting. Um, must have been an angel. Anyway it's <laughs> so poofy again in the scene you gotta call it out so poof
0: he's so cute little panda uh, it's gonna be real sad when he settles and uh is no longer a panda
1: he's just gonna be like a sleeker version of what he is
0: listen you know what maybe the show wants tony Macarius not to exist but the best they could do is change pan from settling to a pine martin and just be like actually we decided he's a panda <laughs> <laughs> would i be mad like i don't think i'd I even be mad
1: Think I would be?
0: I think I'd just be like interesting adaptation. I liked it.
1: <laughs> I'd be like, well, as long as I get like a lot of service of Red Pandas, fine. I mean, I'm a yeah, bad just fan. Keep I'm going, a fake fan you know? girl.
0: <laughs> uh, no, you're a fanda.
1: Oh my god.
0: So we get this wonderful. This is the scene. My, I love this scene. This uh, your Coulter, favorite. yeah. Coulter bartends. She bartends for Boreal. She's like we're gonna celebrate. And she explains how she was able to control the specters and he's like, wow, wifey, this is such great news! Now we're immortal and she did God say wifey equals, hashtag! And she's like, lol hubby, you think you're equal? Really, hubs? You think we're equal? Interesting. And uh, it's a trick question, right? Because they're not equals. And she kisses him and she's like, well, let's drink to that, darling. And he drinks and she giggles all girlishly, right? Very manipulatively. Encouraging him as he talks about Chitagatse. Of course, he's very interested and he's telling her these, like, oh, these facts, like, oh, did you know that they don't even know this? They say this about Chitagatse. But mid boring fact about Chitagatse that anyone who's read the books would know, Boreal, uh, mid fact, the poison sets in and he starts to choke. Uh, his demon is writhing on the ground and coulter monologues to him about how they've never been equals and he dies leaned into a chair with this beautiful single tear streaming down his face. What a death, what a swan song. I know. Good for you, Arian sixty nine on Twitter. Good for you. (sighs) Why? He wasn't even born then. Thanks. Shout out hashtag at candid fifty nine. I love the femme fatale Coulter classic trope here, right? The you're already dead speech. She's the woman to die for with her girlish giggles and her manipulations and she's disconnected quite literally, right? Like She doesn't feel remorse for these actions. She's doing what she wants and has to do to achieve her goal. That is my baby and I love her. I will be accepting no constructive criticism. Thank you.
1: I mean... Yes, my she's, baby, and I love her. I think everyone is like, whoa, intense. And like, she's just such an incredible character. And my partner stands her hard. Um, <laughs> you know, in the scene, Lord Boreal dying is just so sad to me. with That single tear. He's like, shit, right. I got everything I wanted, but turns out I didn't. And I don't know. Again, Arjen Bakare has done a miracle. Uh, In regards to how I feel about Lord Boreal. But, coming back to what this scene is doing in this episode. Again, we have a contrast with Will and Lyra's dynamic. But, you know, remember what we said about Fra Pavel getting cut off right before revealing Lyra's name. Those of us who read the books know that Lyra's name, of course, is Eve. And it has to do with the prophecy. But every that the same thing, right, happens here as Lord Boreal dies, right? Mrs. Coulter thinks that she knows everything that Boreal can tell her, and therefore he's no longer useful to her. Uh but she doesn't get one of the most important things out of Boreal of what the knife's true capabilities are, as she taunts him as he's dying. That last thing that he doesn't get out, right? He's saying it cuts through everything, like matter, air, and that last thing is gonna be spirit because the knife's name, right, as we know from the cliff gas that I imagine is gremlins is Isahitra God Killer, and she just finishes her drink um and so that doesn't get revealed to her either but then as the scene ends she's just finishing her drink right with a dead body next to her which is really really something she's just like whatever done with that <laughs> couldn't drink with corpse
0: yeah completely disconnected doesn't even care uh, I don't know, I just wouldn't want to drink with a corpse personally, but that's the thing is Same. disconnected. she's yeah, she doesn't feel it. Yeah. Spectres attack the witch group. Just in time, will is able to brandish his knife at them until they leave.
1: Mrs. Coulter tells her demon that strength is salvation, placing her hand over the flame of a candle.
0: Yes, of course, this is a beautiful moment. It reminds us of earlier in the series with Father McPhail or Cardinal McPhail. Now I had mm-hmm. to remember his name. Too many white Ooh, men. You're right. Sorry. I have not been
1: saying his proper title.
0: Cardinal Heresy. McPhail. Yes, heretic. Heretic, get her off the podcast. I'll just have Candid 59. Sorry. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yes, we get the hand in the flame. Totally a callback right to earlier in that series. And the best part of this scene, as I said earlier, were the four wine bottles that she goes through in between the time that she has the two, it becomes four. And I also wonder, interestingly enough, if Balthamos and Will will come back through here huh. in the next episode at episode's end, because in the books, we have the passage where they walk past Boreal's body in the canvas chair. They see I his body uh, and he thinks Sir Charles had been smooth, dishonest and powerful and now, he was dead. His face was distorted unpleasantly, and Will didn't want to look at it, but a glance inside the tent showed that there were plenty of things to steal, so he stepped over the body to look more closely. Of course, Will, in that turn, becomes the magpie, finally.
1: Ah. Very, very great. Very interesting. I didn't think about that. But yes, I think he's going to find that Sir Charles's face is going to still be pretty smooth. <laughs> wasn't distorted unpleasantly. It was very. It was a very aesthetic death. You know, people long for that.
0: He deserved it.
1: <laughs> so, coming back to Mrs. Coulter, as many things in this series do, the title of this episode is, of course, a nod towards those who have probably read too much shit that Philip Pullman has said in some of the meta-materials. Um, in regards to how it centers Mrs. Coulter and her power, as the title of the episode... Uh, is a name that Philip Pullman says the Golden Monkey would maybe be named if it had a name, Malice. I like the idea of it not having a name, though. That's a personal preference. Like I think that the lack of name actually adds to its mystery and allure and power. And I think Jack Thorne, right, said that in the script, he's only ever referred to it as the Golden Monkey. It's only the Golden yes. Monkey. And to call it anything else felt wrong to him, which I agree with that absolutely. The scene is is, of course, a visual reminder of the moment where Father Macphail, as you said, was doing the same. But I think there's a difference there, right? Where Macphail, when he's doing it with the candle, his demon and he are aligned. It's his demon who prompts him to punish himself by putting his hand over the flame. And they see pain as sort of a necessary penance. Whereas Mrs. Coulter sees it and is sealing herself to to not feel the pain, right? It's not punishment, it's weakness. And her monkey looks on like, what the fuck? Why are you doing to this to us? In its expression as opposed to uh, the little lizard telling McPhail to do it. And that line of strength of salvation when everything else, right, in this episode, all of the scenes are actually arguing the opposite as we see from Lyra's scenes and even Mary's and the idea that it's actually this compassion that they have that saves us all, the vulnerability that Will and Lyra show one another that saves each of us.
0: Yeah, it seems that the negative capability and using it to be able to interpret matter in general is one skill. But when you shut yourself off, and maybe this is a Vampire Diaries thing, because we're (laughs) rewatching the Vampire Diaries, but you can flip a switch within yourself where you disconnect yourself from all humanity, and you start to lose yourself, and it makes things that would otherwise be heroic actions like trying to save your daughter from a bomb look pretty shitty when it turns out that you're drugging your daughter to save your daughter from a bomb yeah i mean yolo but yeah yolo but yeah like it (laughs) it literally like it's, it's interesting to think about that that vulnerability might and the vulnerability of falling in love with someone and being your most authentic true and free self with them might be more powerful than negative capability to control a specter or negative capability to read things from an alethiometer that maybe your gut could have told you most of the time Uh, like it's like maybe that's not all there is to life right is reading signs and interpreting them maybe sometimes life is more important to live and to be vulnerable
1: yeah it's like that song by what was it Ariana Oroko or something there's gotta be more to life than chasing down every temporary high to satisfy me because that I'm chasing down every temperament behind a storm is brewing. Joppery conjures it, taking out an airship with combustion.
0: Bullets whiz toward them, and then Joppery summons a swarm of ravens, which are Philip Pullman's favorite animals, by the way. He oh. is, his demon is a raven or a crow. Uh, but yes, a swarm of ravens come, take out another airship, but they're shot again, and their balloon spirals them into a crash landing, which is the end of the episode.
1: I wonder if Philip Pullman's heard of this book called A Feast for Crows. Um, That man, though, who shoots at the balloon and hits the gas, that man is an incredible shot, Yeah, I just want to say. And we have, I think that the scene with Jopri summoning the birds is meant to sort of mirror Mrs. Coulter's Some like, controlling the specters.
0: Oh, yeah, that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. Them being parallels in the episode.
1: She's like a witch adjacent.
0: Witch adjacent. (sighs) Wow. (sighs) We're adjacent to the finale. Yeah, we are adjacent to the finale. Oh my god, so this is penultimate. And then next week, that's it. We come back with the finale. What what are we gonna see? I know we're gonna see Alamo Gulch part two. Ugh, we're helping Lyra. Oh god, I'm gonna scream. You ready? My life. Oh my god, I'm you're not ready. I'm gonna cry
1: so hard.
0: I don't Guys, even think have to that's pick a Chloe very fair assessment. Up next week. What? What?
1: I'm gonna have to Excuse piece me? her back together.
0: Come what to are you me? gonna do when the witch fucking comes down and is like, sorry, Joppery, you're dead? I don't know.
1: Negative capability. Push down <sighs> by humanity. <laughs> Feel nothing. Strength the <sighs> salvation.
0: I think we're going to see angels in humanoid form.
1: Mm, yes, yes, I do think that. Um, speaking of those angels in humanoid form, I'm hoping that like we see them like in terms of that scene with Ruta and the angels, and again, getting yeah. more depth on them. I hope we see them also not in humanoid form.
0: I think I we're going to see. I think we're going to see more Ruta. I think yeah. that you're onto something with Ruta and. I wonder if we're even going to see Asriel. I don't know. I just think you can't not have Asriel. And they might not have been able to film much of them, but they did get some stuff. And I just think we're going to see Ruta's journey to Asriel's kingdom. If we don't see Asriel, at least we're going to see the kingdom from the outside being built. That's what I'm wondering.
1: Were they even able to film anything with James McAvoy?
0: They filmed four hours before they were shut down. They literally filmed four hours. Also, I mean... I think we might see some of it. I'm just saying that I think it might have been reworked. I think that they have surprises for us. That's the biggest thing. Okay. Like, I I think they have so many surprises for us that we don't even know. Um, I expect there's going to be a culture and witch showdown, right? While Will is doing the whole dad thing. And, okay, calling it now. Lyra kidnapped in the cave. We're going to end on Roger's voice going Lyra and Lyra. Black screen going... Roger? And that's it. That's gotta be the end.
1: I could see that. I could see that being the case, um, especially because they've been doing, again, a great job of threading Roger's death throughout this episode, uh, not episode, this season.
0: Yeah, and all of the little, like, calls while people are asleep. Will, his dad saying will while he's asleep. Lyra dreaming and hearing voices. I don't know.
1: I'm just saying. Along with that, you know, a little before that in terms of angels like i feel like so again i think that we're just gonna see angels i think we might see zephania finally in person but not person um because we've been hearing zephania's voice throughout but also before Baltimore's and baruch appear at the end right i think that they're gonna appear because they've been cast Mm
0: -hmm. and i'm just
1: really excited for the moment that they show up And it's just like a go on, do nothing moment. And I love them for it, right? They're just like, oh, yeah, well, whatever. They were there and we did nothing to help them. Hello. Um, Yeah,
0: because that's not what they do. It wasn't in their interest. Like, it's going to be really interesting to see their morality, which is kind of this weird, even keel morality in the middle of the road where they're like, oh, that doesn't interest us. We're not going to do it.
1: Are are you saying Baltamos and Baruch start off as centrists?
0: I think they do. I would say they are self-interested. Right? Like, they are out here for a reason because they're like, well, we were told we have to watch over this kid, but we want this thing to happen with the war. Like, they're not... yeah. They don't want exactly what's going on right now. They have their own thoughts, but they're just doing their job and they grow just like the Galavespians, right? Like Uh Baruch and Balthamos and the Galavespians, I mean, they all grow to become in in love with these children, just like all of us are, just like Lee Scoresby was and just like Serafina is. I mean, they grow to really adore these children and want to watch after them. And I'm really excited to see that. But I think they start off, in my opinion, with a lot of indifference.
1: That's true. And also, you forgot that Yorick also comes to love them. And we didn't get Yorick this episode. I, okay, I'm going to say it. I think we will get Yorick next one, Crossing Worlds, because he does, right? He has to find, he has to find Lee's body.
0: That's true. But we might also see that beginning of series three,
1: Okay, but who's going to pay York? What are we paying Joel for?
0: Everyone, please PayPal Joe Tannenberg. I'm really worried about that boy.
1: Yeah, what? How are we going to pay Joe? You know, if we don't give him speaking roles.
0: Speaking of Joe, maybe he could play a new character, right? Like in invent a new voice, like a like a Mulaffa or, or like a, a heron from the Mulaffa world. I don't know. I'm just spitballing ah. because what I really want to say is, are we going to get Mulaffa? Uh, have they kept it under wraps? Have they just coyly kept it under wraps? Are we going to get Mulafa? What if we get a glimpse, even just a glimpse into the M world? Are we going to see it?
1: I have been looking for so much, like, any hints for Mulafa this whole time. Every
0: time been... in the intro, no matter what, every <sighs> episode, I yet. stare at it, no matter what, and it never changes.
1: I kind of wonder, like, I I really want to see it. I'm not so, sur- I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't, because, like, maybe in, in terms of production yeah, and how many ideas everyone has, like, Obviously, this whole season has been a lot of work, and maybe they're like, we do not have it in us. We are so tired right now. We have done a lot this season and cannot like visualize what they think that the Mulefa should work like, look like yet, right? That concept, art, or whatever. So I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't yet.
0: Yeah, I'm 50-50. I'm not going to place any money on it. My money's going to go on Ruda and Asriel before it goes on Mulefa, but-
1: I, I mean, I'm going to hope-
0: I'm hoping, with every hope inside my body, if we see Mulafa, even if we just see the beautiful world, I'll be contented. Give me if we, a seed I mean, pod. She has to step through the world. I or mean, that's step- for certain.
1: They could do it as a parallel to the end of last season, in which she yeah. steps through the world and we don't see the other world, right? We, we get the same way that Lyra was walking through the... the Mm-hmm. I keep calling it the anomaly, but Lyra is walking through the tear uh, in the way that Will first stepped through uh, that window. And I think they could do that with Mary. Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe it would be Mary and Coulter instead.
1: Ooh, maybe we'll see something in the intro this time around.
0: If we see Mulafa in the intro, I scream. <laughs> well, It'll, it's yeah. not too far off. It, it's in a handful of days. I'm excited to see it. I'm nervous, I'm excited, uh, I'm sad, because this is it until next year, what the hell, and we have a lot going on, so we are not going to stop with His Dark Materials. You're going to hear from us constantly, we're going to make sure to keep putting out LaBelle Sauvage, Book of Dust episodes, and hopefully we'll have some news soon on where we'll be going after LaBelle Sauvage.
1: Yes, indeed. And, yeah, I don't know, I'm sad that it's over, like, this has been- a tiring past few weeks, but also like, an incredibly exciting one. It's fun to have something to look forward to.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's fun to have happiness again. What's that? So, I, I've been very happy. It's been a really it's been an enjoyable TV experience. A really good adaptation. They're kicking ass, so we love our His Dark Materials fam there. Keep it up out there yeah. at Bad Wolf Studio.
1: Indeed. Indeed. And also, I mean, again. As you said, the fans, the uh,
0: all the Sraffis are pretty good. Yeah.
1: All the straffes, yes, that is the term that they use at Gaze for fans of historic materials, and it's the are pretty pleased, and it's pleasant, it's nice.
0: Well, I'm excited to have a couple straffies on our show in the yes. next few weeks. Gonna hang out with the Dusk Podcast and Candid59. Again, please check out the Dust Podcast. On a platform near you or Candid59 as well on Twitter or on Tumblr at Candid59. And thank you so much for listening. We had a blast this week. We will be back with the finale with Candid59 and we can't wait to chat about Isahedra.
1: Yes, and I'm sure it's going to be a killer episode. I was trying to play a god killer (laughs) and then I realized actually that was way more morbid than I thought that I meant and I'm going to keep it.
0: <laughs> well, you know what, Elia, a man gets lucky every once in a while.
1: And every once in a while he doesn't.
0: <sighs> well, thanks for listening. Make sure you check us out at our social media on Twitter at girls gone <laughs> or you can send us an email at girls at gmail.com. That's C A N O N. We would love to hear from you, hear your thoughts on the episode here what kind of food you've been making lately. If you have a demon, do you have pets? We love pets. Feel free to send us your pets photos. We love that too. So,
1: Yeah, people have been sending us their... Someone sent us an axolotl, and that was pretty cool. Amazing. And, of course, be sure to check us out. Subscribe to us on any of your listening platforms if you aren't already. Keep up with our new episodes on... Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, where this is all hosted, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Acast, Pandora, Amazon Podcasts.
0: (laughs) You're gonna run out of them eventually. Yeah. Uh, Hey, later this month, we're doing an episode with the Dust Podcast about the music in and out of His Dark Materials from the show to fan-made music, to us thoughts music, so just come check it out, patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon. That will be up for everyone in the stranger tier and above by the end of the year. As always, I have been one of your hosts, Chloe.
1: And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana.
0: Thanks, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye.